Ladies and gentlemen, please notice that exits are conveniently located at the front and rear of this auditorium. When leaving the theater, we suggest that the exit at the front of the auditorium will allow you easier access to the parking areas. Thank you. I got a six-year-old in my calculus class in college and it's going to take my job. What is this nonsense? Comic Sans? Butler had never seen this film and I got the indication that he hated it. She's like, you pussy, get back in the game. He rebels against maturity by taking a job at a movie theater. Oh, no, I'm sorry. That's me. At a video store. Well, this is now owned by Disney, so you're going to see a remake <laughs> at some point. Hello, I'm Mike Field. I'm Mike Butler. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Podcast. Each episode, we highlight a film that, for a variety of reasons, was forgotten by audiences. Whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time, or the movie simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the film, or perhaps don't love about it, but we'll always recommend you revisit it. If you enjoy our podcast, we want to hear from you. We're on Instagram and Facebook. Find us. Our podcast is available on all platforms, with a backlog of 175 episodes, for your listening pleasure. What's up? Uh, I found this baby like on in the river and uh, I was just going to push it downstream, let fate do what it wanted. Uh, mm. But, you know, I decided I love the baby. So I'm going to try to take it back to its people. Uh, but they're all a lot taller than me, which I mean, it's, it's always the case. And I, I'm, I'm a bit of a coward, mm. but I'm also the greatest sorcerer you've ever known. Okay. Is that the synopsis? <laughs> no, the synopsis is different. <laughs> what are we doing this week? We are doing the 1988 classic. Uh, Hold Willow. On. Hold the phone. Yes. <laughs> uh, where is my awesome synopsis? Enter the world of Willow. A journey to the far corners of your imagination, to a land of myth and magic where dream and reality live side by side, to a place that never existed, a time that never was. It is a world where a young man named Willow lives out an adventure that explodes beyond the boundaries of his own hopes and fears. Oh, that's it? That's it. <laughs> <laughs> I told you before I started recording, I'm pretty sure that's Trailer Guy. That's what Trailer Guy says during the trailer. And I never watched the trailer, but it's... <laughs> Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> so Willow has a runtime of 126 minutes. It's rated PG. Production budget of $35 million. It came out on May 20th, 1988. That was a Friday. It, opening weekend, it did $8.3 million. Domestic, 57.2. International, 80.4, which gives it a worldwide total of $137.6 million. Now, fun fact... Usually I get these numbers off of Box Office Mojo, but Box Office Mojo does not have international numbers. I was going to so say, where'd you get international from? Because I don't have that. Uh, Wikipedia. <laughs> oh. Uh, there, but again, as I say, most sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes a lot of this information is on the internet. So take it with a grain of salt. Yeah. But again, I'm surprised like this feels this movie would go out internationally. So I don't understand why box office mojo, you failed. You failed me. <laughs> <laughs> so production company was MGM Lucasfilm limited and imagine entertainment. It was distributed by MGM UA in the U S and United international pictures in internationally. So it came out the 20th of, uh, of uh, May, 1988. It went up against nothing in a wide release. There was a limited release of call me, which I've never heard of. Mm -mm. So, uh, the weekend after you had uh, the 27th of May, 
which was Crocodile Dundee 2 and Rambo 3. So two big sequels that probably ate up a lot of interest domestically. I would imagine uh, so. Yeah. The week before, the 13th of May, you had in a wide release Friday the 13th Part 7, The New Blood. And a limited release of Maniac Cop and Bulletproof. So, I mean, Willow is the only movie that is of its kind in terms of its genre Mm -hmm. during this time. But it's definitely the beginning of the summer season. You got a big time horror film, even though it's its seventh uh, incantation or seventh or sixth sequel, seventh film. Uh, It's still going to do some business. Well, this is the height of slasher films as well, right? This is where they were all like crazy all the time. Mm -hmm. But then you have a crocodile. And then the week after you have a crocodile Dundee is a was a huge hit. Mm-hmm. So the sequel, regardless of it's good or bad, it's opening week and it's going to do business. And then Rambo three, which I mean, I kind of love because it's him in a tank versus a helicopter. <laughs> um, so, or he's in the helicopter. No, he's, no, he's in the tank. He's, he's in, in the, the tank. tank in that one. Yeah. So uh, I always like that film, but anyways, <laughs> I wouldn't say guilty pleasure because I don't believe in those. This film was directed by Ron Howard, who has won two Oscars for the same film. Uh, he won Best Picture because he produced it and Best Director for A Beautiful Mind. He also did Apollo 13. He was nominated for Frost Nixon for Best Pick and Best Director. And he also did Solo, a Star Wars story, amongst other things. Story was George Lucas. I don't know if you've heard of him. Uh, he was nominated for two Oscars, uh, both for American Graffiti, Best Director and Best Writing. He was nominated for two Oscars for Star Wars, the same thing, Best Director, Best Writing. Yeah, and then, uh, of course, we all know who George Lucas is. Screenplay was done by Bob Dolman, who's done Far and Away, The Banger Sisters, uh, the TV show SCTV channel, and the upcoming TV show, Willow, which is why we're doing this film, because there's a sequel series coming out on Disney+, Plus, which is featuring some of the original cast, not all, for some reasons, different reasons. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, so I didn't realize that Shorsh is in it, like Joanne Wally's in this, is in the uh, sequel series, so she makes an appearance, but anyways. Cinematography was Adrian Biddle, who was nominated for an Oscar for Thelma and Louise. He also did Aliens, V for Vendetta, and a movie we did, uh, Last Forgotten Horror Event Horizon. Composer was James Horner, who's been nominated for 10 Oscars. He's won two for Titanic, both for Titanic. He was nominated also for Avatar. He also did Mask of Zorro, which is an episode we did, Butler. Edited by Daniel Hanley, Mike Hill, and Richard Hiscott, which is funny because Hanley, Hanley and Hill are in the credits when this movie rolls, but not Hiscott. Hmm. So I'm wondering why he's getting an extra credit if he came back and did other additional editing. Like a touch up maybe. Well, sometimes you have when you're not in the credits, but you get, you kind of petition uh, the the guilds or you petition the union and the studios for that credit to be considered. So I'm wondering if it was done after the fact. But anyways, Hanley has won an Oscar for editing for Apollo 13. He's also nominated for Frost Nixon, Cinderella Man, and A Beautiful Mind, all directed by Ron Howard. My kill, same thing, because they're uh, an editing duo, I believe. And Hiscott has done it. It was an additional film editor on the movie Reds, and he was a special effects editor on the movie Life Force. And then, you know, this movie was produced by Nigel Wool, who's produced Year of the Comet and Ishtar. I don't think anyone, I don't think Butler's seen Ishtar, right? So no, I know Justin the name Hoffman Ishtar, but I know yeah. nothing of Ishtar. This film has Warwick Davis in it. I don't know if you knew that. Uh, he plays Willow Wuffgood. <laughs> <laughs> he's the leprechaun and leprechaun. He's the star Wars. Obviously he plays uh, one of the, he plays wicked, right? He plays wicked the Ewok. Yeah. Yep. And he's obviously in the Harry Potter series as well. Val Kilmer plays mad Martigan. He's from, this is Val Kilmer's first three films. Actually, Willow is the fourth. And then there's a little film in between. So the one, two, three, four, five, 
Five of his six first six films. These are the, these are what they are. Top Secret, Real Genius, Top Gun, Willow, and then The Doors. <laughs> it's like talk about a start. <laughs> uh, a good age, What's up? Like, he must have had a good agent or real genius must have just Whoa. like catapulted him. Or top top secret actually. Well, top secret, yeah. I mean, it just that's crazy. It just all snowballed. I mean, in a good way for him. Uh, Joanne Wally as Sorsha, who was in the TV show Edge of Darkness, the uh, original. She's also in The Man Who Knew Too Little and Navy Seals. Jean Marsh as Queen Bavmorda from the movie Frenzy, Return to Oz in the TV show Upstairs, Downstairs. Uh, Patricia Hayes as Razel. Razel? Yeah. Raziel. Uh, Raziel? Yeah, I don't know. She's in The Neverending Story and A Fish Called Wanda. Billy Barty as High Aldwin. He's the... Um, Sorcerer of the of Willow's encampment, the, mm-hmm. the little town they live. It's from Under the Rainbow Legend and Masters of the Universe, which I didn't get. He was the he's that little dude, in Masters of the Universe. That's oh, the ugly little dumb guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kevin Pollock as Rule. He plays one of the brownies. He's in The Usual Suspects, A Few Good Men, and the TV show The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. And then Pat Roach as Kale, who's the guy who wears the mask, the um, uh, skull mask, the big the, guy, the, the, yeah, the big heavy. Uh, obviously from Rings of Lost Dark and Conan Destroys a actor slash stuntman, if you will. He's the guy that gets uh, chopped up. We've talked about him before in the show. He's the guy that gets chopped off in the blades and Raiders of Lost Ark. Yep. And then um, he's, he's, the, he's in the minecart fight in Temple of Doom. And then he's the guy that gets thrown off the blimp right, in Last right, Crusade. He's right, always so. he always has one fight with Indy. That's fine. Not anymore. Though. He passed <laughs> away in 2004. Oh, so rest, rest in peace, Mr. Roach. Rest in peace. This film was nominated for two Oscars, sound effects, editing, and visual effects. Obviously, it did not win. It's a long shoot. Filming date was April 27th, 1987 to October. So that's a long, long date. Uh, I know. I know. And uh, yeah, that's it for my facts, Butler. Um, You were pushing heavy for this film for us to do this because Mm -hmm. you wanted to coincide with the series that came out. I was curious to see the interest, if interest would peak. Because we did something that was connected with something. Right. So it's well, been a long we, time coming. It wasn't always Willow, but I'd always want to do something that connected with something in the outside world. There's a lot of things that we've been trying to do for interest <laughs> to peak. <laughs> and, uh, you know. <laughs> uh, so I always ask you your relationship to the film. Let me tell you mine first. Sure. And we'll, so I, just to kind of change it up. Yeah. Uh, so I have seen this before. My wife really likes this film. During either the summer or the, I can't remember how long ago. I don't know if it was over the summer. It might've been, or it might've been during pandemic times. I don't know. Uh, we watched it again. So I had seen this film recently. Um, not so recent that I could skip out on the screening for us, which I've never done. Uh, sure. but, so this, this is probably my <laughs> second time in like the, uh, the same Within year. Within a year. Yes. So, um, you know, I have pretty much the same opinion I had when I, the second time I watched it, because the first time I watched it, I have, I have a reaction of just, you know, it, it wasn't my cup of tea. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just wasn't into it. Uh, it, it fantasy, the fantasy theme, the fantasy genre is, is one that it takes a lot for me to stay with it. Like, like the whole Rings of Power show that's on Amazon. I don't know if I'm going to get to that. I just don't feel like Lord of the Rings when it came out, it was like an event to go to. Right. And so I want, I, I, yeah, let me check it out. And I was invested. So I watched it and I was invested in finishing that series, but the rings of power, I just, I don't feel any kind of pull to it. That's not to say that if I watch it, I'll get into it. I just, right. it's it, like I said, I, I, I am definitely hamstrung going into fantasy movies. So it wasn't my thing when I first saw it, 
last time I saw it and this time I kind of have the same thing. Like it's fine. It's okay. I just don't, I don't love it. I don't have a reverence for it that a lot of people have. And it, very similar to the episode last week we did with the last Starfighter. Like it's another one of these eighties films that there's such a reverence for it. But for me, I'm just like, not as much. Um, so that's kind of where I come from to this film. How about you? Uh, I grew up, I've watched this a few times growing up. I've watched bits and pieces, maybe 15 years ago, but really not the whole thing. I haven't seen this movie in completion since I was younger. Um, and it was just on like a burnt VHS that my parents had. Um, I'm the kind of the same way with you with fantasy. Like I like Lord of the Rings, uh, like Game of Thrones. I actually do like ring of rings of power, but it's because I had to, I watched Lord of the Rings. I like Lord of the Rings. I also really like the King Arthur myth, but other than that, like fantasy doesn't really get me going. I'm more of a sci-fi guy or like a spy genre kind of guy. So I always liked Willow, but I was never obsessed with Willow. It had its moments that I always really like. Obviously the theme song is, is classic. Well, it's in all the trailers. It's in all the trailers in the nineties. So that was always there. I like Warwick Davis. There are certain like fight scenes and Val Kilmer is really good, but overall the movie is, was always a little hokey. Uh, and I, I still feel like it feels that way today to the point where there are things that I like in the movie and I'm definitely going to watch the show because I did watch this growing up, but there are things that just, I kind of like, all right, it just seems watching it again now as an adult, it seems like what you would imagine playing through like a, I've never played the game, but like if you're playing Dungeons and Dragons and someone came up with a story on their own, like, uh, like just some random guys, like I got this really great D and D story we're going to play through and it's got trolls and this, and then this happens. And it's just like throwing all this fantasy stuff at you just to create these obstacles because it's all part of a game. Uh, it doesn't really serve the story as much as it serves throwing a whole bunch of fantasy crap at you to try to make a franchise, which mm-hmm. I'm sure is what Lucas after the success of star Wars was kind of hoping for with this. A lot of the notes that I read uh, was that Lucas was hoping to match the popularity financially mm-hmm. uh, of ET. I think he I did really, read that. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, if, when you, when you look, but when you think back to all that stuff, I think Lucas was really trying to cut to, to get, one over on E.T. I mean, in a good way. I don't think he had some kind of anger towards Spielberg. I just think E.T. was such a huge hit with kids. Right. Um, that because it just I remember, is it is it did Lucas take out the ad in Variety that congratulated E.T. on beating was it Star Wars or something like say it beat out one of his I think yeah, it was. because Spielberg took out an ad for Star, Star Wars beating right. Jaws. So he took out right. an ad for E.T. beating Star so Wars I think he like was trying. Yeah, yeah I, a lot of the notes in this film it's is about Lucas's desire to one up ET. It's like a friendly competition between. Sure, sure, know, no, friends, I, yeah, exactly. I'm not saying it's uh, any kind of negative, uh, uh, a negative way, but it was definitely that focus. So, um, now obviously that didn't pan out, <laughs> as as we notice, as we see. And the expectation with this film was that it was going to spawn sequels. Mm-hmm. Like it was, he, he, ha- and because it didn't do well, that actually turned into books. And now I don't think the book count because it. No, because he did, only gave uh, an yeah. outline to the writer. And then the books ended up being these dark, dreary, bleak things that killed off characters for no reason. Yeah. So he kind of yeah. disowned them. So I also saw that people are wondering if the sequel series is going to use the books. But based on that comment, I would imagine no. 
No, I th- the the books are the books are written by Chris Claremont, who did X Men, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and uh, they're called Shadow Moon, Shadow Dawn, and Shadow Star, and they were published in ninety five, ninety six, and two thousand. And Nick, you said that I guess they were bleak and people didn't like them, and I guess so. Yeah, he just. He disowns them. Yeah. So they don't, they don't count. I mean, just the names. I mean, Willow doesn't really, the thing about Willow, I think that differentiates itself in, in a good way from Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones and, and fantasy stuff of that ilk is that it is fam- more or less, which we'll get into. Like, I don't agree with the PG rating, but that it is more lighthearted. It is something you can watch with your family. It's, it's more fun than dreary and bleak. What's what's more fun than a movie that's the main villain's uh, plot point is to murder a child? It's such a murder family baby. fun adventure. Oh, it's just classic. <laughs> that's classic fairy tale, though. <laughs> no, I gotcha. But like, you know, there's like jars of, I mean, I'm assuming it's blood at the end that's oh, yep. sitting around. And, 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 oh, no, there's and a the, lot of stuff that's not PG appropriate at all. Right, right. <laughs> when Willow transforms a troll and the skin falls off of it and it turns into yeah. the demon egg. I was like. That's frightening. That's horrible, man. <laughs> like so, and worship, and that's he does that at the behest of Razel, who is like, "Well, use the wand." And well, she didn't tell him to do wand. that. <laughs> I don't. Well, that's what I'm asking you. Is like, did she know that he was going to do that, and that it was going to turn, it was going to create that big giant creature? Like, was that the, her plan the whole time? <laughs> I have no idea. Who knows what she knew? Because it was like she's all over the place. Yeah, I it's had the years been that long. It's like you what don't you know how old you are? <laughs> she just ends up becoming this Merlin character for no reason like not no reason. Her, but they set her up as to be the counterpart to Bav Morda. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. They set her up to be this counterpart to her kind of like in Lord of the Rings with uh Gandalf. Yeah. yeah. This, uh, but they don't there's no setup for that. And you don't really know the extent of her power. She yeah, when she starts this- fighting her, I was like, wait, why are you fighting her? That should Isn't that supposed to be Willow? Now it's your battle? Yeah. And she's moving everything. She's using my favorite part. She's using her around my favorite part, but she's using this wand to throw things at her. And then she gets this giant slab of concrete on her. Mm-hmm. She fights off Bavmorda, and but she doesn't move the concrete. She just... Ugh, she just gets her, wiggles her way of out of it. Like you can't push that off. I mean, I get it. Maybe they didn't have the budget for it, but like you, you, you just showed me that you can do all this stuff. Why are you crawling out of this thing? Well, I like how the end of that fight, if we're just going to be talking about like, if we're going to get to their fight, they're just straight up punching each other in the face at the end of the fight. I was like, this is awesome. Well, I, just I got had like, a laugh. Let's just beat each other. I had a laugh at the end of the film when, after the resolution of the film at the end, and it cuts to her and she's like, Willow, you did it. Like when he does the stupid trick mm-hmm. uh, that, and it's like, and her face has those three lines over it, like just scrapes. I'm what? laughing. Like, oh, you look ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, we don't, I mean, we can, we don't, we can go back to the end. The, it, it, let's, let's talk about, let's talk about the characters. Let's talk about the acting, the performances. Um, one thing I didn't know. This is the first time I knew it uh, watching it now and going through the notes was that Warwick Davis was 17 when they did this film. Yeah. I didn't realize he was so young either. I was like, holy crap. Cause one of my, one of my notes or one of my, uh, one of the things I noticed was, was I, he whines a lot in this movie. 
he yells and he talks at a high pitch. And I'm just thinking to myself, well, if he's 17, I get that. Yeah. I, under- I understand that. So that, that no, it's not fair on my part, it, 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 but he, he always does seem to be yelling in this film, especially at Mad Mardigan all the time, obviously. What do you think of Warwick Davis in this film? I think this role was written for him. This is coming from reading the notes. Uh, this role was written for him after George saw him in Return of the Jedi. Well, he met him. I met him on set. Yeah. Right. But in that Return of the Jedi, which I should have guessed that he was going to be really young, because in Return of the Jedi, he was a really little kid in all the documentaries and stuff. He was just starting out. And so this so is like his first. 80, 82, right? Because 83 is when Jedi came out. Yeah. So he's got to be uh, 12. Yeah. If you watch documentaries, he's, he's a little kid. So Lucas met him at 12 and was like, I got to, I got to put this kid in something. I got to get you in something, man. Well, in the documentaries and stuff, he is talking to the camera people. He's like schmoozing up. He's definitely got a personality, but he hasn't really cut his teeth a lot. Like again, I I said it last week, I was just watching the Harry Potter's prepare for a trip to universal that I've I've now taken when this releases. Uh, But you know, watching him as, as was it Flint hook and not Flint hook flip flitwick and grip hook. Like Grip Hook, when he's all nasty and, and backstabbing, is a much better actor. And there's so much more calmness and less whining in a more confident Warwick Davis than a Warwick Davis. I mean, maybe like thrust into a film or thrust into a a role that was bigger than maybe he was ready for at the time. It's just yeah, like, I'm hey, not, we have yeah, this movie. Listening. It's this huge fantasy, big budget movie, and you're going to be the main character. Maybe it was kind of like, oh, oh shit, okay. And you're <laughs> also going to play a father of two kids with a wife, even though you probably just graduated from high school. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, yeah, sure. I mean, obviously he's going to say, yeah, sure. But I think that's where some of the white, like that un- underconfidence kind of comes with. I didn't get a sense that he didn't have a handle on the part. Maybe just he, like you said, he was too young to handle certain gravitas moments of the script. And but, but to be fair, they didn't really, with the exception of the stuff with his family, they did, there's not a lot of stuff like that throughout the movie because it's an adventure. So he's kind of reacting to a lot of stuff. Right. Um, I think a, uh, obviously a lot of that stuff, a lot of the heavier stuff is given to Kilmer as Mad Mardigan. Um, who uh, the note I had was that he ad-libbed all his dialogue. I mean, I don't know about that, but uh, okay. Uh, though I, I liked him in this movie. He's obviously good. He's very good in this film. Yeah, he has a lot of uh, trying to find a better word than personality. Charisma. Yes. He had a lot of charisma in this movie. Uh, yeah. And the only thing that, the only moment in this film that was kind of quick for me was the romance between him and Sorsha mm-hmm. played by Joanne Wally. And I think that's because there's a scene they cut out um, in the movie that kind of, because her turn is quick. Her turn. I have a problem with. Yeah. E- even though they predicted it, even though she, uh, she gets that Barb Mortar gets the, Oh, he should, the, the, the seer tells oh, the her that throwaway it's going to at the beginning. Yeah. Right. That she's going to turn. Uh, <laughs> yeah there is actually uh, a scene that they shot that they took away i read that, that yeah yeah that dealt with her father her father was right. a good king which is why she's not a total you know ass 
And he and she, he's one of the people that fr- right. are frozen in that castle. Right. So that's why, you know, that knowing that if I had seen that scene in the movie, then I could understand the turn to, to, to be good. Yeah. But, but they cut that out. Why so. would you cut out such an important scene? That's what I, when I read that and I was just like that movie absolutely needed it. Cause I have notes that are just like, this is stupid. Now this is makes right. no sense that she would turn good for this guy that just kind of like, for all she knows, tricked her into his whole like loving speech mm-hmm. like five minutes ago. <laughs> well, it's two hours and six minutes. Maybe they're trying to trim time. I don't know. Oh, that's another thing. It could be a lot shorter. Well, what, what are you cutting that? Well, the brownies need to go. The brownies need to go. I the love brownies Kevin. are Jody's favorite part. I love <laughs> Kevin Pollack. They are the worst. I didn't like them when I was a kid and I hated them. Now they're just nothing. They say is funny. So you don't like them, but just because they're not funny. Yeah, because that's all they that's the only story purpose they serve is to be funny. And for Mads Martigan to be a complete ass to them for no reason, other than the fact that they are annoying. I do agree with that. They're gonna be in the sequel series, dude. No. Yeah. Are they? they? So if you haven't watched the trailer that's on Disney Plus, it's a big full one. Kevin Pollock's in that. The guy who plays the 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 guy who plays the other uh brownie is actually passed away. Oh, did he? So, all right. So but if you watch the trailer, he goes, he's he. Kevin Pollock's in it. I did I watch the trailer, but I don't remember because I haven't watched it in a few well, months. Well, the trailer I watched on Disney Plus felt longer to me. Oh, than the I first remember. trailer? Right. Okay. Yeah, so check it out. Um, <laughs> but yeah. I like Kevin Pollock. Like I said, I just don't. <laughs> the brownies, I just oh, cut that whole. I just hated them. <laughs> yeah, they're back, man. They serve no <laughs> purpose. What did you think of the brownies? Uh, yeah, they're not funny. They're just kind of annoying. And... Like I, I like, I mean, visually it's, it's good. It's cool that they were able to ma- match them in there and they're clearly not there half the time. Right. Uh, they reminded me of something and I can't remember what it was. Jokey Another versions show. of the creatures from uh, don't be afraid of the dark. <laughs> oh, maybe. Yeah, maybe they're, they're, I, I, like I said, this whole, the whole film, I was just kind of, maybe, maybe there's, a, there's part of the reason why I was I'm like, just kind of like not as high in this film as a lot of people. It's just, it's, it's annoying a little bit sometimes. Yeah. The world of fantasy inherently is a little silly. Mm -hmm. Like you really have to, even more than science fiction, you have to take everything with a grain of salt, like a world of magic and stuff like that. So you have to be really careful with your comedy and stuff like that. And I feel like this movie just went, it's silly. We're putting it in there. Silly. We're putting it in there. And I feel like you can't put too much silly or you kind of, you're going to take me out of this world that is tough for me to kind of get into to begin with. Mm-hmm. Like, unless you go straight up comedy, which I can't think of any straight up fantasy comedies off the top of my head, like in general, let alone ones that I like. No, fantasy is never really, there's comedic, there might be comedic, act, like not comedic actors, but comedic characters or, you know, to lighten the mood, but there's never, there's not much straight comedy. In, in in these type of films, they're always big grandiose films of princesses and kings and queens and wizards and sorcerers yeah. and a great big tale and a trek that you have to go. We have to fight all these battles and we're gonna fight a big giant dragon. There's always that stuff. Well, I guess Princess Bride. Then actually, now that oh, I think about you're it, you're right. You're right. Princess Bride is great though, but Princess Bride also it's 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 got a lot of heart. That's yeah, um, but so and it's infinitely ties. better written than this film. Yeah, so that's also, also true. that as well. William Goldman's an awesome writer. Was an awesome writer. Um, the thing I, about Princess Bride is, yeah, the story comes first. Whereas this one, I think, 
throwing different fantasy elements comes first. And the story is like glommed onto that, like glued onto, we need fairies. We need little people like the, not the, not like Willow, but like little people in terms of like the brownies. We need a, a witch. We need a good witch. We need shape-shifting. We need trolls. We need a dragon. Like, and then all these parts are on like a board, like a vision board. And they're like, all right. And putting some rope yarn up and go, we go from here to here and we get this. And this is how we do it. Well, this is from the mind of one of the co-creators of the temple film, George Lucas, who one of the <laughs> big, you know, that's, that's how he thinks. That's, that was the type of movies that he makes is big, you know, big films that are going to be big at the box office and, and are for, are for large audiences, the general audience, sure. you know, so that's, that's how he's thinking. So that's, I'm sure that that's kind of where all that comes from. I think that kind of gets in the way of that kind of story, uh, that kind of story. But like, I'm thinking of my, cause I stopped there because what I'm thinking about is if you remove that element, you're probably getting more stuff along the lines of Lord of the Rings. You're going to go down that where it's a little bit more serious. Um, it's, you're talking like, uh, uh, it's definitely a PG 13 film. Let, let's talk about the PG rating for a second here in the movie. What aside from the baby stuff, cause we already touched upon that. What else in the movie made you kind of shudder and go that this is not a PG film. Uh, the trolls with the skin getting ripped off. Right. Mads Mardigan killing the big bad. Okay. Where he stabs him through the chest. And then the guy tries to strangle Mads Mardigan again. Mads Mardigan mm-hmm. stabs him a second time, then steps on a, like a sawed knife, mm-hmm. a saw bladed knife and drags him down under it with his foot. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's, that's a little much. <laughs> uh, and the, the demon dogs are, Kind of creepy looking. The the but Rottweilers, the Rottweilers are, with the masks have, on. Yeah, that that are wearing <laughs> rubber masks and suits. The first, I mean, my first mean, note is like, I'm dogs. sure that first shot that I get, the cutaway after they sniff for the uh that kid, that nanny that took the baby away. Like right. the next shot has got to be like the paw coming up trying to get the mask off, just like constantly. Well, you also have that shot from across the river where that nanny's getting eaten. <laughs> oh, that's another thing. Yeah, the nanny gets eaten, and it's just like this is not because this is after. Temple, right? Temple of Doom. Temple yeah, Doom's this is after 84. Temple of Doom. Yeah, yeah. The PG thirteen so exists. There. Yeah, but it's fairly new. So, and maybe again, they might have it might have gotten it, and they pushed for the PG because of kids. They want to get more kids in there, right? But I think some of that stuff keeps it from being really PG. Mm-hmm. Like there really is an over amount of blood and violence in this movie. This point, where even I would be like, <laughs> and I'm always and I'm always defending. Well, it's the '80s. It was a different, you know people were more tolerant of different violence, but this movie's got a lot of stuff. <laughs> no, it's uh, it's definitely pushing oh, and, the envelope and the people turn into pigs too. Yeah. So my <laughs> note, did you see the note that the pigs were constantly trying to mate? I saw that. So I had to pour cold water on them. Yeah. Like, so it's, but like just the fact that they had hundreds of pigs out there for the scene is impressive. Cause they just digital that now. Um, but yeah, so I thought that wasn't funny. I was like, Oh boy. <laughs> What I thought was impressive was right after that, the scene when they, uh, they hide mm-hmm. <clears throat> underground and then they storm the castle, the mm-hmm. horses getting up from a lying position with people still riding them. Yeah. And that wasn't that, CG. I was like, that's impressive. The, the, also the fact that they were able to <clears throat> dig holes that deep under the cover of, of, of a of night that wasn't even the full night. Nobody it was noticed. like four hours that yeah, they, nobody Listen, saw. And Raziel on. had to re- resurrect them apparently one by one from what we see in that one shot. Which I didn't understand as well. <laughs> if she's, if she's just as powerful as Bavmorda, she did it in one, 
and she did it just standing over all of them. Why couldn't she do that? Why Who couldn't Raziel do that? You and having to take Willow's wand from him too. Well, it was for her. It was for her, but yeah, yeah. But Bal Balv Mortar or whatever didn't need to use her wand. Yeah, I, I don't know the power there, and mm-hmm. the fact that it hurts Willow's hand every time, his wrist every time he does it. I feel like that's like, I feel like nobody brought that up in the pre-production and either the director on the first day or Warwick Davis was like, what do you think of that? Every time I use this, it hurts my hand. Like, yeah, go with that. Cause I just didn't understand what are we doing with like, we never bring it up. Like if it always right. hurts him, that's great. But like, can you say you why bring it hurts up. him? Yeah. Well, I know that like, I know that in most fantasy stuff, the reason wizards always look old and stuff like that is because using magic sucks your life force away. It ages you and stuff like that. So that's probably what they were going with, then? but you why need to be told to be that. Yeah. You can't just like, Oh, they're just going to assume that they're just going to, they're just going to know. No, they're just going to, they're going to know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, and again, it's also a big film, like in terms of the world is big, but it's a small mm-hmm. cast, you know? Yeah. It's like, and they're not like, Buff Morta is like a, like a, a classic villain, but she reminds me a lot of the evil queen from Snow White. Very true, which I'm sure was what they were going for. And she ages rapidly at the end there. I don't know what that was about. Right. I didn't either. It's like, I thought you were sending the baby back so the baby wouldn't kill you. Not that you were going to slowly die just because the baby exists. And, you know, she's so, she's so, she's so powerful and she's so cunning and conniving, but she gets fooled by. Uh, Willow at the end with that stupid trick he does. I'm going to send her to, and he like stutters. He's like, um, 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 it's like, what? <laughs> Why are you believing him? He's making, he's clearly making it up on the spot. And he's holding a sack. Your baby was clearly <laughs> like hell razored up with leather straps. <laughs> yeah. And this baby's yeah. in, a, in a wool sack right now. <laughs> it's like, uh. <laughs> yeah. And he didn't even use it. all his acorns. Well, I did you see that note that there's a continuity issue? No, so I didn't was, see that. So I don't know how, how many we he was given. He's given was five. He, given, he was given okay. No, he's, he's given he's given three. Given three? I thought he was given yeah. five. No, he's given three. Okay. So he uses one so, on the bridge. Right. And then he uses the other one that she catches. But there was a second one that he has with them that they it's in a scene, it's a cut scene. And he's in the boat during a storm and it drops from his boat. It drops out of his pocket and turns the boat to stone because the next scene in the original, there's a scene in the original oh, version where his hair is wet. His hair is wet. Okay. I did read right. that there was a boat scene where the boat sinks. I didn't know it's because he used right. his acorn. And they never referenced the acorn, but it, yeah, that's what happens. So he does use it. Okay. Cause while I'm watching the movie, after he throws the first one, I'm going to throw the second one at her head. <laughs> <laughs> I was getting so frustrated. <laughs> I was like, you have more acorn. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I mean, still then we need to, I, I need that scene then. I need that scene because it explains what happens with his, the inventory that he has on him, which was clearly important enough to say at the beginning. Well, they clearly had a cut a ton of stuff out. So this movie must've been 220 at some point. It's too long as it is. I mean, 220 now, I, I guarantee you they'll soft, they'll probably let it come out. You know what I mean? To just if it was today, but back right. then they probably were like cut it, cut it down. Oh yeah, back then anything over two hours, they were probably like, Ugh. yeah. And my note here too is that 
this movie was tough to get going because studios kept turning it down to distribute it and co-finance it with Lucasfilm because we just talked about the fantasy genre was considered unsuccessful because mm-hmm. you had films like Dragon Slayer, Crawl, Legend, and Labyrinth that had come out before and did no business or didn't do enough business. Right. Uh, Which I mean, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> but like Legend and Labyrinth are cult classics now. Right. They're, I mean, I, I know some people that like Crawl, uh, but uh, yeah, so they're they're all, they're not ill-received. I guess that's the best term I'm thinking about. They grew on people, but back then, if you're looking at it, they probably haven't made all that money yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, home video is still rather new and they're still kind of getting to the point where people are like, check this out. Word of mouth probably wasn't, for cult films like that, probably wasn't as strong quite yet. Well, I mean, I feel like this film, excuse me, Ugh, excuse me. I feel like this film uh, has succeeded because of not just word of mouth, but just, you know, it's t- stood the test of time. But that's why a lot of people, this film has carried over through generations. No, um, sure. And m- maybe that's just because of the story elements that we have come to know in, in, you know what I mean? Like it's a story that is well known and has been told many, many times, like this kind of tale. Um, so I feel like this story has benefited from that as well. It definitely helps that like, we've said it's like a lighter fantasy. Mm -hmm. So this is like, if you like fantasy and you want to show your kids fantasy movies, you can start with Willow because it's a little less intense. It's a little easier to follow. And then you can graduate them up to other things, especially if you, like you said, if you're like fantasy, it also doesn't hurt that it's made by George Lucas. So I'm sure a ton of people that like star Wars go, Oh, George Lucas made this movie called Willow. Absolutely. Let me watch that. I mean, I that's why I watched on it. Yeah. That's why while I watched it the first time, yeah, his name on it definitely kind of gives it a pump up, uh, especially back then, definitely mm-hmm. back then. Um, and maybe kind of carried over through home box office and, 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 and stuff like that. And maybe even today, maybe there, I'm sure there are tons of people my age that look upon this film very fondly, like my wife, um, <laughs> because it was when they were, uh, it was when they were younger and kids and, you know, they, they loved that world. Um, much like a lot of people, a lot of kids who watched Lord of the Rings 10, 11 years ago, you know, feel about that film. Sure. Even though that's a little darker. Oh yeah. Don't like the yeah. books for the Willow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not that uh, this, this movie does have good moments. It's not completely irredeemable. Like there's, there's like the effects as, are good. What's up? I was going to say such as what good moments. The effects are okay. Or are pretty good. Warwick Davis is still like, he's a great underdog character. You know, you, you want Willow to come ahead, come out ahead. Although I don't like that. He's a coward for way too long because he gets brave. Then he becomes a coward. Then he gets brave. It's kind of like last week's film with last Starfighter. It's you, you finished his journey. He's, he's, he's gotta be brave. He's gotta continue on. Um, but I think I, he's, I, yep. what's up? I was just saying, I just like at the end when he comes back and I was like, Willow's back. I'm like, what if he just lies to you? You have no idea what he just been through. He, could <laughs> he just, just make, found he, this horse on the side right. of the road. He could just come home and he could tell you everything that happened that really happened. But like, I'm half picked in that, that, that dude, that's a jerk off. That looks like a jerk off. Like the baby spits on him mm-hmm. or Martin or whatever his name is. Like he could just be like, you made that up. You, you didn't do any of that. Like, how do you believe him? How do you know? Well, I did turn the apple into a bird. Oh, I know. I love that. Willow's back. Check this out, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> I know why? magic why now. 
Yeah. Oh, what up? What up? I know that I know that the apple is probably what you really want because that's going to nourish you. But I'm going to show you this bird I got here. Sure, this dove is going to die in a couple of days. Yeah. And also, here's the other thing. He throws that up in the air. Why isn't his arm hurt? Oh, why did I do that trick? Because oh. now he really knows magic. <laughs> and that's punk magic. I was hoping he would return and then just sock the landlord guy right in the face. <laughs> but you were talking about other redeeming qualities while I just started right. on the film. Again. I just Go think ahead. he's a great, he's a great character to kind of look up to. Val Kilmer's really good. He's really charismatic. The two of them are really good together. The fight scenes, like when they're, I really like the castle keep scene. The, when they uh, go into the abandoned castle, well, not the band, the cursed castle. Um, although we're missing that whole scene we needed. I thought the fights were pretty good. I enjoyed that he locks the door and they have to go get the tree to tear it down to break down the castle walls. And in the meantime, Val Kilmer setting up all those traps and stuff. And so is Willow. I liked that it's almost happening in real time. And unlike a movie like Lord of the Rings, where then now we'd get like 8,000, you know, fantasy monologues while we're waiting. <laughs> Nightfall is coming. Drink up boys for this will be the last night of our lives. When, for when 800 start, yeah. years ago. When they started doing the songs, like, uh, like when they started singing the stuff, like when they started like doing like the little hymns and the, and the rib really, you know, the limericks, that's when I go, I was like, all right, enough. <laughs> Even though they did a lot more of that in the Hobbit, but then yeah. this one, yeah. So like, I was, I was kind of happy that it just was like, all right, we locked the doors down to business. Let's set some traps and boom, they got through the door. Now we're fighting. Yeah. So I thought that was not fighting. He's just hiding. He's hiding. Well, he fought the trolls. Oh, those trolls like what were those supposed to be rejects from like planet of the apes that's what they like, looked like when they were crawling yeah. on the bridge underneath i was like Ugh. yeah they they were they looked weird i didn't i didn't really get what they were budget <laughs> ran out by the time they got to them i <laughs> paint their face green put them in monkey costume yeah people kids won't care kids won't care <laughs> <laughs> just easy action figures easy to print those action figures uh so some of the notes i have here um, in terms of just the watch of it, like when I'm just my viewing notes is, um, and not that I want to go, I'm going to go back to the end. I don't really understand why or how the queen was the above mortal was defeated. <laughs> I don't really understand what happened. She just kind of like, they stopped her, but well, I, I don't think get how those blood candles are supposed to be. They choose probably supposed to pour those on the baby. Mm -hmm. The lighting was probably supposed to hit those with the baby. And then the baby was supposed to transport, but instead they covered her, the lightning hit her and she transported. So basically she just ended up exactly where she was going to send the baby. Which was where? I imagine hell. <laughs> <laughs> I was always, I was confused with the fact that underneath her robes, she's wrapped up like a mummy. She's dressed like the mummy. Mm -hmm. Did you see that? And, oh yes. I didn't get that. I was I, like, I, what I was, is this? Yeah. Or why not? What if you just killed the baby? She probably couldn't because it's a prophecy that the baby would kill her. So, so send it she, away. But you could just murder the babies in your hand. But maybe something would stop you. Maybe oh, a piano oh, would fall from the sky. How about you we know? try? How about we try? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Voldemort didn't let anyone else try to kill Harry Potter. I, I, that's <laughs> ego, though. That's that's different. Mm. But yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. I'm glad that they didn't they didn't stick with the original title for this film because Lucas conceived this idea in 1972 and he and he called it Munchkins. 
Oh, I so saw I'm that. Really glad that they didn't stick with that. <laughs> you wouldn't see it today if it was called Munchkins. Well, no, they would change the title, but Disney would be like, probably, oh yeah. You'd see like probably, blah, 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 colon right. in really small font. Munchkins. <laughs> Somebody probably told them one, Wizard of Oz, we can't do that. We're not going to do that. True. Two, um, Dunk we're not doing that. Do we're, just, we're just, we're just not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Come up with another title. Shorty. George. No, stop, George. George, I love Star Wars, but like you're not. Just please don't title this movie this. <laughs> don't call it The Phantom Menace. It's a dumb title, George. You're not calling yeah. the movie that Save I... Save that for your shit films. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize that uh, Warwick Davis wore a wig for this film. That that's not his hair. I did realize that the babies yeah. were wearing wigs. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And they, I was like, and, come on. There's no way that baby yeah. has a full head of hair like that. And, and they're, they're used... The wigs are t- attached with syrup because the regular, uh, you know, whatever the regular stuff they use is not is not good for babies. Not good for babies. Don't, skin, don't yeah. do that. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. So they're you. So basically, you're putting like I'm thinking like maple syrup. Like you're just squeezing maple syrup on their head. That's what like, I was thinking too. Yeah. But then like you're also in the forest. So isn't that baby getting bit by bugs at that point? Yeah, I don't know. Well, <laughs> they, I mean, yeah, you're right. I was gonna say they were shooting on sets, but no, they probably weren't. There was also <laughs> a lot of crying baby. You know, I. I need that baby to cry. Someone do something mean against that. <laughs> that baby real quick. This is also the first feature film to use morphing, the morphing process, uh, which was developed by ILM. And that's when War, uh, Willow is trying to change Raziel into her human form. And right. it keeps changing her into different animal forms, mainly in the tent. Um, and my other comp, which is great. That's, I mean, cause that that's the first time we're seeing that. But my comment on all that is, Every other time he's changing her and he keeps screwing it up and he changes it from the, whatever that thing is, the rodent to mm-hmm. the bird and then the bird to the emu. Yeah. And then to a tiger. When he's doing that, well, the, the first two times he does it or the goat, cause he changes her into a goat. Oh, that's right. Yep. The first two times he does it, it's the same spell, but the time he does it, in the tent. Oh, yeah, it's, it's a completely whole different. Brand new. Yeah. Yeah, I had that note Pe- too. People of the West and in the East and of the forest. I'm like, where is this? Why weren't you doing this originally? Yeah. So and that's and why you all, messed up, yeah. huh? <laughs> and, and, and also, where are you getting that from? Was there a book that you picked up? Is there something that you found a scroll that told you how to do it? No. You're just making shit up. You're just saying whatever. He just knows. He just knows yeah. that that's the spell. Yeah, everybody yeah. knows the transmorgification spell. Okay, everybody knows that. Man. That's what I hear. That's what I hear. <laughs> it's like row, yeah. row, row your boat in Willowland. Mm-hmm. Speaking of transforming, the guys turning into pigs was gross. <laughs> that was, yeah, absolutely. That was like that's what dreams are. That's the stuff and nightmares are made out of <laughs> with that when that was happening. <laughs> the one like mostly pig with his legs flailing, but his arm yeah. is still real. And why not Willow? Why not Willow and Raziel? Because they're in a tent. Cause she doesn't the, know they're there. The spell Willow was doing was a protection spell. Uh, Cause okay. she goes do a uh, protection spell right now. So we can save your friends later. All right. All right. So okay. basically she was Good like, catch. Oh shit, let's save ourselves. Don't, don't go outside. <laughs> <laughs> did you see that John Cusack was tested for the role of Mart- Mad Martigan? I did. I was just going to bring that up. And oh, it's one ahead. of his, yeah. it's one of his biggest regrets. Yeah. Like he just, he was disappointed. He didn't get it. I get that though. Like, would you chance have to be liked a- him in that role? Would have been different. I don't know. It I like John Cusack, but it's, it, it is have- a different kind of role for him. 
would it have uh, would it have changed his career his career path yeah would it have changed like what he would be like I, if you have to like, take into account him as an actor him as a person is he going to really uh, embrace that if he did really well maybe more would more action type roles would come his way <laughs> But he's in that, he's in Con Air later on, obviously. And that's an action film, but it's really not. He's not doing I mean? the action. Yeah, yeah, He's kind yeah. of driving around, chasing the plane around. Mm-hmm. True. So true. I think if he did a good job, maybe it would change his career. I think it would have been an interesting role. It definitely would have been done differently. Yeah. And, and Con Air was 97, right? Yes. Picture just like the, the that's like nine years from this film. 10 years, his production. 10 years and such a change in cinema and what. Yeah. <laughs> that style and what just the look of and just the kind of like the technology and the camera, just the change in that 10 years is amazing. Like I, I always think about that. We always think about all these films from the nineties, like 93 and 94 and all these movies like Jurassic Park and 93 and all these films of the nineties. And all, and you never think about, we're only like five, six, seven years removed from the eighties. Yeah. There's such a jump that it's just, you don't think about it. You just don't ever think about it until you just sit down and think about it, I guess. Well, it's like <laughs> films, like you think about the eighties films and that's like, yeah, an eighties film, but then you look at seventies films and it's just like, that is so different. Well, again, like last week's movie, Starfighter, 1984, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like a, 1984 that film is. And then back to the future, 1985. And those two films, look like they're from two different decades and they're not. Oh it's, yeah. It, absolutely. You know what I mean? That's just, I, I, I don't know. I could sit here and talk about the differences, I guess for a while. <laughs> Ron Howard passed on directing cocoon, the return to do this film. Bad um, financial decision. Probably. Good. I like cocoon, the Break. return a I, little bit. I don't know if I've ever seen the sequel. The sequels with Courtney Cox. Where she's got the heart tattoo, the heart mole on her back. And that's how Gutenberg is told that that's his, the girl, the woman he's going to marry. And he meets her at the end of the movie. No. No, you never saw that. That's when they, they come back because they want to bring some back people with them. And then people stay, stay with their families. Like Wilford Brimley and his wife stay. Is that why it's called back. the return? It is. They do return. <laughs> I mean, that's cool, I guess. I, I don't know if I'd need to see a sequel. I was never a huge Cocoon guy. I'd probably have to see it again as an adult to really appreciate it. But Cocoon, well, co- Two things with Cocoon. Cocoon has a lot of older action that were that are really great, Don right? Michi and stuff like that. Like they're just you know Jessica Tandy, Hume Cronin, Wilford Brimley. It's just I think people that uh, that maybe people now don't like. Who are these people? But like they were they were pretty big back right. when they were younger. So it's really great to see them in that type of movie. Plus, Cocoon was such a surprise and it was such a big hit. It was such an event hit. That I think that's also why it's just, it's also well written, but uh, we're, we're, this isn't about cocoon. <laughs> <laughs> so I got some critic reviews for you. See if this fires you up. Oh yeah. Bring it on. <laughs> Janet Maslin from the New York times uh, was critical of Ron Howard's direction. She's like, Howard appears to have had his hands full and simply harnessing the special effects. So she was saying that he couldn't handle it. And Maybe that's true. Definitely a lot going on for a director who's hasn't done a lot of big budget, like epics. Right. Yeah. Siskel and Eber gave this movie two thumbs down. Really? <laughs> yeah. They didn't, they were not fans. They don't, I don't need, they just have that. They were two thumbs down. Uh, 
Decent or Destin Thompson of the Western Post explained Rob Reiner's similar fairy tale adventure, The Princess Bride, which we talked about earlier, brother, mm-hmm. managed to evoke volumes more without razzle dazzle. It's a sad thing to be faulting Lucas, maker of the Star Wars trilogy and Raiders of the Lost Ark. Mm, what? For forgetting the tricks of entertainment. Like, Thompson, I mean, go back and look who did Raiders of the Lost Ark, please. <laughs> well, Lucas, is, Lucas had a huge hand in Raiders. He had the story. He had the script and he helped direct the, it. and the storyboards and all that. He didn't direct it. Well, he still had a huge hand in that. He didn't direct it. You can't hate out. <laughs> you, he had a huge hand in that. You can't have Raiders without George and Steven. You, I disagree. I don't think you, I think, I think if, if he had a, I, if I think Raiders is the way Raiders is because of Spielberg, I'm not saying I'm not taking anything away from the story, but I'm talking about direction. I'm talking about the look of it and how it's put together because Go watch a movie that he directed, Star Wars, and then go watch this movie. And directorial choices are far different in sure. terms of pacing, in terms of staging and framing. You can give Lucas all the credit you want with story. I agree with you, but not direction. Not not direction at all. I will not agree with you there. I think I, part of it's part of like uh, this isn't a this isn't a podcast about that. So it's I will a podcast about tangents. <laughs> I'm not taking anything away from him as a storyteller. <laughs> But I am taking away from him as a director. I don't also, think he's as strong. I don't think he's as strong as a director as you're giving him credit for. I'm not saying he's as strong a director either. But he also didn't direct Willow. Okay. So this guy is in his in his review. He's not knocking George Lucas as a director. He's, he's knocking he George Lucas the as a of entertainment sto- of as like a storyteller. storyteller. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. And I don't believe that for a second. Like you what? said, he has uh, all the this, elements there. This might have been a fumble. I'm not saying Willow's great. Um, but people still like Willow. It still made money. It didn't make the huge success that he wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. And then you look at, you know, you know as, well, as if, divided if it, as the prequels it, are, they also made money. He knows how to get butts in the seat, how to tell that, you know, entertaining story. I well, guess it, it was successful internationally. Yeah. So. Uh, Mike Clark of USA Today wrote that the rainstorm wrap-up in which Good Edge is evil is like Led Zeppelin meets the Wild Bunch. The film is probably too much for young children, as you said, Butler, and possibly mm-hmm. too much of the same for cynics. I guess that's me. But any 6 to 13-year-old who sees this may be bitten by the movie bug for life. So maybe that's kind of where it... Um, I'd agree with that. That's probably yeah. a sweet spot. So did you ever play the uh, board game that came out in 1988? No, I would have been one year, one year well, old. I mean, you could the board have game probably wasn't after. available after that. It's called the Willow Game. It's for two to six players adventure board game based on the film and designed by Greg Costigan. So it's from Tor Books. So if you want to look it up, maybe it's uh, one is out it like, there. Is it like Candyland, but it's Willowland? <laughs> uh, I wonder if it's more like Dungeons and Dragons or something like that. Maybe it's preset kind of Dungeons and Dragons. Maybe, yeah. Maybe like Jumanji. <laughs> I do like Jumanji as a board game. That's a good board game, even though that's a fake board game. Then became That's a board the, game. It still works. <laughs> <laughs> you ever played the Jumanji board game? The original? No, 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 no. That's a good time. I have not. So I guess why are we saying this is forgotten? All the reasons we've talked about this episode. I think <laughs> it's not very appropriate. <laughs> Rewind 20 minutes. <laughs> uh, it's not really appropriate for kids. It's certain scenes. And yet it's geared way younger. It skews very young. So a lot of people that even, even myself watching again, it's like, I'm a little more jaded now. It's tough to appreciate some of the more lighthearted elements. Like I hate the brownies. I think they're so so dumb. They're so 
annoying. Uh, some of the jokes don't land. Some of the action isn't great. It's too long. Uh, and yet it's still, there's so many plot holes. There's just, the story isn't cohesive. You have a character, a, a main character, your only female character really just suddenly turns good because you cut out a whole section explaining her backstory just to save time. Mm-hmm. And like you said, you, you kill the witch, but you don't really know what's going on. Just Willow's got to win. Uh, I think it's endearing. I think that's why it's got a cult following. I think if it was remade today, which I mean, it's pretty much what the reboot's all about. Kind of, yeah. The sequel. Uh, I think you could do it again and just make something a little bit more like what, I guess, higher quality fantasy. You know, if you really put the time into it, Game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings, try to do something like that, but geared a little younger so that it's not just a bunch of adults watching. It's not, too inappropriate. You can still have that kind of family friendly in quotes fantasy without veering far too family, far too mm-hmm. kind of kid like. Yeah, I think I mean the 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 series that's coming out is more of an ensemble like Lord of the Rings, you know, like like you know, the amount of trek there's like five or six of them with Willow. So I think that's kind of what it's doing there. Other than that, I have really no idea what the plot is of the, of the new one coming out. Um, but yeah, I think all well, the reasons you said it more, just maybe it's just not as, I think you have to be into it to love it. And I think you have to be into fantasy to go back to revisit it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people don't talk about it. I think, I think people talk about it when you bring it up. I don't think it's a movie that's not been talked about you know, or, or people do, Oh, I remember Willow. I saw Willow. I don't think it's something that people just completely forgot, but something they've never gone back to. Yeah. Maybe that's probably uh, accurate. I mean, I've seen it enough now. I don't think I want to see it for a while, so I'm good. <laughs> I mean, I know I'm going to see the series cause Jody wants to watch it, which is fine. I mean, I'll watch pretty much anything. I've said that before. I might not like it, but I'll watch pretty much anything. But yeah, no, I agree with you. I re- I, seems right. Yeah. Where can they find us? You can find us at ForgottenCinemaPod.com or ForgottenEntertainment.com as we are part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. While you're there, check out all the other great podcasts and videos we have for you there. Uh, great content. Great content. And uh, you're listening to us right now somewhere. Give us a like, a subscribe. All that good stuff helps the podcast. Let us know what you guys think of Willow. If you guys liked Willow, if you guys are going to watch the series. Uh, Forgotten Cinema's The Lobby on Facebook. Uh, you can join our group and uh, tell us what we're wrong about or right about or what you guys think about Willow. Mm-hmm. Next week we'll go into the mid '90s, which will probably mean you can't find this film. Although I think I own this film. We're going to be watching the Kids in the Hall movie Brain Candy, which uh, will probably be a lot of quotes on my end. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I, I do like the Kids in the Hall. I don't think Butler's seen this film. No, I like yeah. Kids in the Hall, but I've never seen this movie. Okay, yeah, no, I, I'm, I, I always, if you know me, and if I, if I said this, it's from Brain Candy. I always tell people to smile; it's free. Um, so that's one of my lines I like to say to my kids too, which they don't like. Um, (laughs) So that's next week. We're doing brain candy. Uh, until then everyone have a great week. I'm Mike field. I'm Mike Butler. And this has been forgotten cinema.